So you want to you want to do the intro? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll just do it for a change. You you don't like my intros? I love like, your intros. Okay. Do you want to do the intro? No, no. I mean, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're really that set on doing the intro, <laughs> then you I don't can do care. the intro. All right. This is And Another Thing with your hosts, Jody Jenkins and Tony Clement. And welcome to And Another Thing podcast. I'm your host, Tony Clement. And I'm Jody Jenkins. And we are here, of course, for you. And we have another great episode for you. Right, Jody? Hey, hey here for you. Wasn't that the slogan? <laughs> what? Whose slogan was that in a political sense? Somebody. somebody here for you. Yeah, I was. Yeah. It's like was it's, that? It's not. It's not for the people. No, but, but it was it, here for you. Yeah. Was that? Was that the conservative slogan? No, no, oh, it wasn't. Okay. I don't know. It was probably it's time for you to get it ahead. Was probably Goldwater in '64 or something <laughs> like that. That worked really well. Anyway, here we are, and uh, I had another interview when I was in Washington D.C. recently as part of the IDU forum, and one of my uh, guests is a gentleman by the name of Eli Hazan. Eli Hazan. Okay who is an Israeli. Yes. Uh, and I know him through uh, being in politics. He's in Israeli politics and is the international director of the Likud party. And the Likud party is at the present time, at the time of recording, because you never know in Israeli politics, at the time of recording, they are the governing party. This is the party of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu or Bibi, as he is uh, so affectionately or not so affectionately known depending upon your point of view. So I had an opportunity to catch up with Eli Hazan because uh, Israeli politics is changing. It's always dynamic in any circumstances. But now uh, Netanyahu has been charged with, uh, yeah. with uh, three charges. And uh, there's a question of whether he can actually stay on as prime minister of Israel. And if he can't form a coalition, because they recently had an election, they may have the third Israeli election in one year. Wow. So if you think Canadians are sick of elections, you can just imagine what it's like in Israeli politics right now. So an interesting time to talk to someone who knows what's going on. So here you go. Interview with Tony and his guest. Enjoy. I'm here with uh, Mr. Eli Hazan, who is the international director of the Likud Party of Israel. Eli, welcome to And Another Thing podcast. Hi, hello. Thank you for the stage. No, it's uh, great to have you on the podcast as we're uh, Jody uh, Jenkins and I uh, continue to have interviews with uh, interesting people. And uh, you, of course, are, as I said, the international director of the Likud party, which is the governing party in Israel. Right now. Yeah. Uh, right now. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's democratic we politics. Hope, one, exactly. no, one never knows. We hope but, to continue, but right now. Yes. So uh, there's just been an election recently in Israel. Uh, but there's a threat of a new election. So tell tell us the story. What 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 is the political landscape in Israel right now for those who have not been following it as closely? Okay, first of all, I want to mention that it was a second election in six months, and we may face a third election very soon. Now, in order to understand the Israeli politics, you have to understand that there is a big division between right and left in Israel. From 1948 until 1977, the left wing was in power. Labour Party, center-left coalitions without the right wing, or maybe to some short periods. In 1977, we won the first time, and then we started to change the state profoundly. This, is, this, this is the Conservative Party, the Likud exactly, Party. Exactly, headed by Menachem Begin. Right. 
And then we started to change the country and uh, a question was raised, who has the hegemony? While we won the election the political, in the political arena, uh, the academia in Israel and the media is still leftist, very leftist, and they don't accept, in our point of view, mm-hmm. they don't accept the results. Now, we've been in power most of the time in the last 42 years. The left wing was in power three times. But in any case, it raises the question, who has the hegemony, as I told you. Now... Because you want a more market-based economy. Exactly. We are free marketeers. Yes. And there is the question of the territories. We are against the two-state solution. We are against the one-state solution. We are in favor of the status quo. The Palestinian, uh, the Palestinians will have, they still have, the autonomy. Mm-hmm. We don't want to change anything because in both ways it would mean the end of the state of Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. Because politics in Israel is not just about left and right and uh, a free security. economy. It's, there's always the national security, security The national security. While I want to mention that the left wing in Israel tried to sign a peace treaty with the Palestinians, it was failed completely. Because of the terror, we lost approximately 1,500 people in nine years because of this. And then this is why one of the reasons why Netanyahu was so popular. It's not only free market and we, of course, improved the economy. The GDP of Israel is much higher than it used to be in 2009, but it's about security. All what Netanyahu predicted in the 1990s really happened later. For many people in Israel, it's like Winston Churchill mm-hmm. that spoke about the, Germ- about the Nazis. Right. It exactly happened. This is one of the images. Now, because the left wing in Israel don't know how to win the elections against Netanyahu, like in the story of Trump. And Netanyahu, just for our, our listeners, Benjamin Netanyahu or Bibi Netanyahu, he's the prime minister of Israel right now, the Likud leader. Yeah. Uh, and since, uh, so, uh, still, after many, many years of leadership. Since 2009, Netanyahu won the first time in 1996 against all odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost in 1999, and then he came back in 2003 to be the Minister of Finance in Israel. This is why he became popular. Israel was in a big crisis, economic crisis, because of the terror mm-hmm. and because of the crisis of the 2000. He immediately cut taxes and improved the economy. This is how he became again popular. In 2009, he won the elections again, and since 2009, he's in power. Now, is very disputed in a sense that the left wing in Israel cannot stand Netanyahu anymore. Mm. And this is a big fight. And a yeah, use. so he's, uh, there are charges that have been laid. Yeah, uh, now, for, yeah we yeah, have yeah. to get to that at some point, yeah, yeah, it's uh, to a be big, fair. It's a big story, yeah. a long story. I want to say one thing. Since 1997, Netanyahu had to deal with 22 charges. 22 charges. So this is not a new thing? It's not a new thing. Uh. 19 of them, 19, ended up with nothing. Mm. This is why... One of the reasons why we claim that he's innocent, this is a political persecution, and not more than that, 19 of them ended up with nothing. Now, there are last three. Uh, he was indicted by the legal advisor. The last three are very fragile, and this is what we say. If you look at the charges, it's, it's absurd, in a sense that there is a selective enforcement, uh, and uh, there are some charges that are completely new. Because the way it was portrayed in North America was he was using uh, Donald Trump-like language uh, who, when, when Donald Trump is facing the uh, impeachment inquiry uh, that uh, Mr. Netanyahu used the same kind of language yeah. when dealing with this. As I told you, this is a question about the hegemony. Because yeah. they cannot defeat him in the ballot box, they're trying to find alternative ways. Uh, and this is what we need to deal with. 
Now, the last three charges, they are very fragile, as I told you, selective enforcement, and besides that, even the attorney, the state's attorney, admitted those one of the charges is completely new. No other politician has ever needed to deal with. He, he said out loud, this is a precedent. This is what I decided. And this is why we see it in a very severe thing. For us as a Likudniks, most of the Likudniks, not all, or lot, not all of the Likudniks is for Netanyahu. And I tell you one thing about... So there's a lot of party unity right now. Uh, yeah, it's not 100%. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. like it used to be. That is the truth. But we are a democratic party. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, Netanyahu is not a tyrant. He was so put, put on your, uh, your forecasting hat. Um, is there going to be another election then, a third we election? Hope no, but it goes into this direction. Right. Co- he's, he's got to try to form a coalition government, is that right? Uh, yeah. I tell you what, according to the law, the, the first candidate has altogether 42 days. If he fails, it goes to the rival. If the rival fails, and it's never happened, this is the first time in the history of the state, so the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, has 21 more days, the 120 MKs, the majority of them can recommend about a candidate. Right now, no one has the 61 because... 61 seats to, to form yeah, a government. Yeah. 61 out of 120. Now, you may yeah. ask how come we are in this situation. We have Avigdor Lieberman. Avigdor Lieberman was, is an MK, used to be the chief of staff of Netanyahu, later general manager of the prime minister's office. He has eight seats. And he decided that he belongs to the right wing. He's, he gets a lot of voters from the right. But he decided that he will take down Netanyahu in any cost. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the blocks in the state of Israel, we have a majority. The right wing has a majority of 63 seats against 57. But we are lack of the eight seats of Lieberman because he decided no matter what, mm-hmm. we'll take down Netanyahu. On the other hand, he simply, and I'm not going to be political correctness, he simply hates the Arabs. We have an Arab joint list, uh, 13 MKs, and he cannot stand being with them in the same alliance. Oh, I didn't realize that aspect of it. So there is a, for him, uh, he doesn't want to be part of any government with Arab Uh, uh, members of Knesset. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to uh, emphasize one more thing. When people hear, first time when I speak about the Arabs, they have a sense of a feeling that we are racist. It's not the story. I want to make one, one thing very clear. We are making a big distinction between the Israeli Arab citizens, who are 20% of the population, and between the Arab MKs. Why? This is a good question, because on one hand, we believe strongly on the integration of the Arab uh, population. On the other hand, those Arab MKs, the same representatives, they are supporters of terrorism. Uh, and this is why we cannot be tolerate to these forces in the Israeli political scene. I see, I see. This is now another thing. Netanyahu's last government uh, from 2015 to 2019 invested a lot of billions of shekels in the Arab population in order to integrate them into society. And for us, it's almost impossible situation to explain the differences. Right. How come on one hand you invest a lot of money in integration, on the other hand, you are going against the, those representatives? Mm-hmm. It's very simple. We spoke about security, national security in Israel. Those who support terrorism, they are out of the consensus. This is how we see it. Right. So this is why we have the draw, as we call it. No one can form a government. And there is a possibility that we will go into a third election. I hope it will not happen because we are, we are going to get nothing. Nothing's going are, to are Israelis fed up with all of this yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, political of maneuvering? No they're, doubt they're, about they're, it. They must be. 
Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, of course. They yeah. look at Spain. You in the past we used to look at Italy. Italy was not stable. When you speak about governments, we used to say Italy, Italy, Italy. We don't want to be like Italy. Now we look at Spain for elections. Yeah, in four another years. example. Yeah, uh, and by the way, it's not unique to Spain. If you look at it, this is a, a kind of a challenge of the Western world. Mm-hmm. In Austria, they had an election in 2017, 2019. Britain. Elections in we're, we're in the age of political disruption. A exactly. lot of a lot of political, uh, you know, uh, political uh, regimes uh, or or uh, you know just uh, political cultures are yeah. being shaken up, uh, and course, Israel is no exception, I suppose. Yeah, but there is the the story of Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. In in Israel, it's either you are pro Bibi or against Bibi, mm-hmm. and this is the division. Let me give an example. I used to uh, present Likud in a debates, political debates in TV, universities, schools. No one spoke with me about ideology. When I wanted to speak about economy, the improvement on the states, they speak only about Netanyahu. I wanted to speak about free market, how much we need to open up the market. It's all Netanyahu. It's all yeah, Netanyahu. Yeah. And then this is one of the reasons why we don't like the discourse anymore. Mm. There is no ideology. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a shame because political system must have an ideology. There has to be a, a good debate about, uh, about economic issues and exactly. social issues and uh, based, issues on, based well. on principle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't have it anymore. Mm. It's either you're pro-Bibi or against Bibi. And this is not his fault because there is, I would say, an anti-Netanyahu sentiment. And I'm not speaking about Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm speaking about his father. Oh. His father is a political figure as well. He was not part of the Israeli Knesset, uh, but he was the secretary of Zev Jabotinsky. Jabotinsky was the founding father of Likud. Mm. And Ben Sion Netanyahu, the father of Netanyahu, was his advisor. Mm-hmm. And when we established the state in 1948, he was a professor. Mm-hmm. And he was like outcast by the Labour Party. And this is something for so many years. Mm. Now it goes even to Likud, inside Likud, in a very uh, complicated way. I mean, Likud was founded by those of the sons and the daughters of those who fought against the British mandate. Right, right. And then a lot of the sons and the daughters of them, they were thinking that after the period of Yitzhak Shamir, the former prime minister, one of them will become the leader of Likud. And then Netanyahu came back in 1988 from the United Nations and he just, you know, conquered the hearts of the Likudniks. Mm. And those princesses, as we call them, they could not accept it. They could not accept it. Yeah, so that wow, is there's a lot of wheels within wheels yeah, in yeah, Israeli yeah. politics as yeah. usual. But it's very dynamic. The yeah. most important thing that we are a democracy. Right. For us, it's very important. Democratic Let, let's, let's end on this uh, because, you know, Israel is a vibrant democracy. Its economy is an amazing economy in the region. Uh, you know, uh, so there's so, ma- so many good things going on in Israel. Yeah. I believe that this is one of the reasons why we are very successful. There is a debate almost about everything. Mm-hmm. And when you have a debate, you have a lot of thoughts. Uh, and by the way, this is part of the Israeli Defense Army success. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. For instance, when I used to serve in the army, I used to challenge my commander. Usually it doesn't work like that in other armies. No, no. So, yeah. Did you see action? When of you were, course. Yeah. I served in Lebanon when we still were there in the territories, in the Judea and Samaria, as we call it. Yeah, of course, this is part of our duty. And when after we finish in the age of 21, we still have a reserve. I'm 43 and I finished lately my uh, reserve duty. And yeah, for us, this is a privilege. I wish we could live like in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. 
without army, but we must protect ourselves. We see no other choice. We, st- we have an army in Canada too. They don't see as much action as exactly, the IDF. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, that's but, the thing. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is part of our duty and we are very proud to do, to do it. Eli Hazan, uh, thank you for appearing on our podcast. It's been an honor and uh, I wish you every success in the future. Thank you. It was my pleasure and good luck. Thank you. Tony, your hard-hitting style. Uh, each week it gets better and better. It does. I, I could be the, the next uh, Evan Solomon. Um, or I was thinking more of the, the next J.J. Clark. Okay. Just, okay. You start, you know, don't, don't, you don't want to set the bar too high. Don't want to set it too high. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's, it's great to have these guests because uh, we, we are eclectic. We, we, we also talk about, uh, you know, pop culture and th- things. But when we get a chance to have a guest who has a, a different perspective on a different political culture, why not? Actually, you could be the next Ron Burgundy. All right. Okay. Stay classy, <laughs> Jody. Stay classy. I listened to his podcast the other day because he has one. He does seriously. Yes, he does. Oh my god. It is. Uh, it is hilarious. So, not that I would ever encourage you to go check out other podcasts. But, <laughs> but yeah, maybe we'll have him on the show. Uh, it was pretty funny. So, anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and all that fun and stuff. Tell your friends. Some people call me a bad apple. Well, I may be bruised, but I still taste sweet. Some people call me a bad apple But I may be the sweetest apple on the tree 